the name of the values that keep you alive do not let your vision of man be distorted by the ugly, the cowardly, the mindless, and those who have never achieved his title. Do not lose your knowledge that man's proper estate is an upright posture, an intransigent mind, and a step that travels on limited roads. Do not let your fire go out sparked by replacing the spark and hope the swamps of the approximate are not quite the not yet and not at all. The world you desired can be won. It exists. It is real. It is possible. It's yours. Hey guys, welcome back to the Crypto Economy Podcast. Today we have two representatives from Constellation Network, both named Ben. So I introduce both the Bens to you. Thanks Great for being be on, guys. guys. Very yeah. nice to be here. So if we could get started by maybe having you both just introduce yourselves and what you do at Constellation, and then maybe we can dive into sort of a brief overview of what Constellation is and why you guys wanted to make it into something. Yeah, I'll go ahead and start, and then I'll pass it over to Ben, um, and he can introduce himself and maybe talk a little bit about the overview of our company since he's played probably the biggest role in putting together our, uh, you know, branding as in our messaging. So um, my name is Benjamin Diggles. I am a co-founder and the VP of business development. Um, and my role is really predicated around uh, managing enterprise engagements, government engagements, ambassadors, general partnerships, academia, and so forth. So um, prior to this, I was with Oracle. I've been in big data for the last 10 years, uh, enterprise, but I've been in technology for 20 years and uh, really appreciate you having us. Yeah, great. Great. Thanks, Mark. Um, my name is uh, Ben Jorgensen. I'm the CEO uh, and co-founder. I guess that uh, kind of makes it necessary if you're starting a startup and you're the CEO, you got to be a co-founder. <laughs> it's just awkward for everybody. Um, and uh, really kind of in charge of all the strategy, the vision, uh, painting a, a framework that, that gravitates towards a community um, as well as business leaders and executives uh, and investors. Um, so kind of merging uh, multiple narratives and being able to interweave uh, different narratives to appeal to different people. Uh, and my background, uh, very briefly, um, you know, the way I actually got introduced to blockchain was not through cryptocurrency. It was working with a group called Singularity University out of uh, Palo Alto. Um, and I worked for a group called Exponential Organizations, which was a book by Salim Ismail uh, that wrote about how disruptive technologies um, would attack the, the immune system of uh, Fortune 500 companies. Uh, and it's a really powerful story. And in that story, uh, blockchain became one of the kind of staples of those emerging platforms that would disrupt um, modern day business. And, uh, you know, in my in, in living in San Francisco, I, I, I sought out um, for the next big thing. I had already built several startups in my past, sold a few. Um, I actually have an upscale restaurant called Gozu in San Francisco, where I work with an incredible chef. And um, what I'm always looking for is the next big thing that can really uh, change, change people's perception of the world. Uh, and that's really kind of why I got involved in Constellations, because this is one of the most incredible teams I've been able to work with in my entire career. That is one thing I love about the industry is you really find some 
very forward-thinking people and people who are willing to think outside the box that you wouldn't really find in a lot of other places. Uh, they kind of pop their heads up and you meet some super interesting people. So what what is it that you guys are doing? What was that vision that you tried to encapsulate with Constellation? Yeah, I think one of the big things that we like to say uh, is that we look at this world, this data economy world that we live in. Nearly 80% of the world's data has been created in the last three years. And the infrastructure to support the data that's coming off of consumer apps like Twitter and Instagram and events, uh, event-based messaging. There's so much data in the world, not to mention all the devices and uh, you know, your thermostat telling you, you know, telling your phone when to turn off. There's so much data going around the world. Uh, and what we see are, are these massive threat vectors that are occurring because data is siloed and centralized um, to the to massive server farms or uh, to certain clouds that are dedicated to individual companies. Uh, and we also see data breaches occurring because of these centralized uh, personal data breaches uh, occurring because of these centralized data hubs. And so Constellation is really, uh, we, we set out to build a network of data governed by a community. And what we believe is that data, uh, everybody's data should be owned individually. You should be able to tell uh, a certain company that they can use your data and your rights and, uh, and let go of certain privacy um, and get monetized for that. And we need to have a new accounting system in place, uh, a new auditing system in place. And the only way to do that, that we believe is a decentralized uh, ecosystem. And so, so today, you know, go ahead. So a lot of people, uh, you know, have sort of sold the cloud as this decentralized ecosystem. Uh, what, what do you think about sort of the big push to cloud uh, in the recent years? Well, I think that I think that's a, a step, right? That's certainly a step that you're going away from hardware uh, focused farms that are or server farms that are dedicated to individual companies, but you still have a very centralized situation. If you're working with AWS's cloud, um, the police and the SEC or anybody could go in and shut down AWS and they would shut down their cloud. Uh, so it's still centralized, but it's it's less, right? We're moving towards that. It's a step in the right uh, direction. Yep, absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more. And I think it's, it is interesting that all of a sudden, you know, we went from sort of a decentralized solution where most people were storing their files, you know, on their individual laptops and they were their own little yep. nodes to a point where my entire desktop is backed up to iCloud now. And there's just one single point of entry for, you know, a government or whoever else uh, who gets a request to hand off. Yeah, I'd like to weigh in on that too. I mean, it's, you know, the centralization, decentralization, uh, I guess, debate is one side of it. And there's a lot of ways that data, even in the cloud, hybrid clouds, multiple clouds is decentralized. I mean, that was really the purpose of a content delivery network was to speed up the ability to deliver some of these assets in parts of the world where they're being queried. And the issue, though, is that as more data, to Ben's point, bulk data collection, you know, I kind of scoff at the whole sentence around 90% of the world's data has been created in the last three years. Yes, that's somewhat true, but also the ability to collect data has been increased. So the data has kind of always been there. Now you'd like to his point, your thermostat's collecting stuff. And 
the big opportunity here is really around speed. And, and what I mean by that is there's new opportunities when it comes to things like an autonomous network, if you will, that require processing to happen at the edge. And it just negates the promise of a cloud. You can't have cars orchestrating on a decentralized network and communicating while they're sending data up back and forth to these you know, large cloud providers. It's just simply not fast enough. Even if you start bringing in 5G and some of these other, you know, over the air, um, you know, I guess, freeways, if you will, of data, um, you know, the, the demand for some of these new emerging technologies and the traditional cloud just aren't, aren't matching up. So that being said, do you believe that it will ultimately be faster than the current system? Because I know that's probably been sort of a critique is, you know, sharding the data or decentralizing it, you're going to run into some problems with the speed. But do you guys think you've sort of cracked the code on that? I think we're heading in the right direction to crack the code. It's going to take a lot. It's going to take, um, it's going to take a lot of, uh, a lot more parties getting involved in decentralization. And yes, I, I do think eventually it will be. It has to, right? I mean, you think about this autonomous everything and these smart cities that are supposed to uh, incorporate new data to learn and be more efficient. The only way you can be more efficient is to be faster at processing, right? And Google's making huge strides with quantum computing. But for that to really reach commercial viability, we're still, we're still you know, a decade away. But the, all these things are in stride to figure out um, computa high computation at the edge to uh, have that vision of AI and art uh, artificial intelligence that we see kind of regulating our world and making it more efficient, right? This is going to be a little bit of an aside, but I was just curious, what, what do you think the implications are of sort of Google's quantum computing capabilities? Do you think... It's going to be troublesome to blockchains. Is that something that, you know, as you're building one, you're sort of keeping in the back of your mind? Or do you think it's just sort of going to speed up the process of mining blocks and make the network more efficient ultimately? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, as I a, have you know, an opinion. I, I, yeah, I mean, please, I, you know, I'll say that my focus on the quantum communities computing has been more about how does that impact like trading on uh, the NASDAQ and, uh, financial markets and capital markets. And I think it's going to have a yeah. crazy impact on how we perceive capital markets and who has access to it, um, which could change the whole landscape of where money flows. But I'll digress on the blockchain side to, to Benjamin Diggles. Yeah, I mean, I, I believe that you know, Google is always going to do things that are self-serving. I mean, no matter what guise they put it under, they're trying to like bridge ecosystems. It's to me, it's always going to be self-serving. And that is largely contradictory to the ethos of what birthed the blockchain movement. I, I constantly am saying that decentralization forces collaboration. And as you know, with the way that Google acquires through mergers and acquisitions of building kind of this bohemian monolithic powerhouse, they're not looking to like open up and really play nice with others unless it serves their agenda. And so I, I believe that uh, the decentralization, if they're able to, you know, pipe into that quantum computing and use it for, you know, some of the processing capabilities or whatnot within that ecosystem play, great. However, I think that they're largely threatened right now because companies are collaborating in a way that have never been uh, 
done before because an autonomous network means that no one owns the data. So governance really is to me, the future of all of this. That's what's gonna allow these autonomous networks to, to exist. Um, where quantum computing to me is gonna be, I hate to almost say it, it's gonna be a commodity like any kind of processing power. Um, but if it's isolated within somebody's walled garden and they're not open to collaborating within the ways that you know blockchain currently is kind of approaching the, the market, then I think that they're gonna be uh, in for a rude awakening. Absolutely. Um, so that being said, uh, how is Constellation helping sort of permission that data in the way that Google cannot or is not doing? Yeah, well, I, I would say that Constellation, you know, very high level Constellation is a base layer protocol and networks governed by users. And, and we're creating a standard for adding security to data transportation. Uh, and I think that's really powerful. We're creating a secure communications protocol that's an alternative standard to TCP. And I think a lot of people say that, but, uh, you know, we're work working very closely with the United States Air Force to to see a realized vision around alternative standards um, to what's exist to what's out there uh, and so what the the message here is is that uh, the government doesn't really want to give all the control to the big tech companies right now they want to look at uh innovative solutions that they can nurture in-house and bring to the market and use within their their walls um, and then allow, uh, you know, civilians to use as well, because innovation is not happening within major tech companies. That's antithetical to the big tech companies. Um, and so what Constellation is really focused on is providing uh, an infrastructure that gives back that control to people. Um, as I said, you know, earlier about giving back people's data, letting uh, letting data run more freely and be audited by a global network uh, of users is very different than one tech company. Uh, and you can imagine that that's a, a huge undertaking. And when you under when you go through that undertaking, you have to rethink the infrastructure that's out there. Existing blockchain technologies are not equipped to handle uh, data streams and the masses amounts of data. The, the architecture is not there. So what Constellation has done is we've rethought the architecture uh, to accommodate big data, and we've created a way for any developer to pull an API and be able to add security to data and tap into uh, predetermined algorithms that organize a network state. Uh, and that's pretty powerful because in order to power uh, a global network of users, you need to use algorithms to decide where that data goes, how it's organized um, so that it can infinitely scale. And that's a lot of what Constellation's doing, which is a very huge undertaking, but something that's been demanded by uh, both public sector and, and crypto communities alike that wanna see something that's scalable, that can actually work in a production ready environment. So you mentioned that governments are sort of rooting for decentralization. As soon as you said that, I sort of thought of the CIA's like no bid contracts to get their uh, data uploaded on AWS servers. It was like had to be within 30 miles of another uh, 
another server farm and like Microsoft's were like 28 miles and like stuff like right. that. So was the Air Force specifically, you think, just more forward thinking? Did you guys approach them? Like how how did you sort of decide which branch of the government to partner with? And do you think certain branches are thinking about this differently? Well, I, I'll jump in there and, and then Diggles, I know, has a, a has a thought on this, but um, really the first thing that that I mean, data strategies are changing rapidly right now. Um, and the first thing you, we go in and ask people is what's your data strategy? So what your data strategy was three years ago when say, when data management solutions were just hitting the public market has drastically changed. Uh, the Air Force is the, the largest, the most funded uh, group in the Department of Defense. And they are very in, innovative in that sense. And they want to be seen as easy to work with and, and innovative. Um, and the approach that they took years ago was to silo data. The, the last decade from 2010 to 2020 was an absolutely amazing decade of transformation in the digital constructs from the launch, from the IPO of Facebook, all the way to uh, questioning of Facebook on the utility of their data has been a massive transformation that's occurred. Uh, so you can imagine that any entity, especially the government, is starting to rethink what their data strategy is. How do they collect data? How do they sell data? How do they give permission data to make smarter systems? And so where data was once siloed and that was seen as the appropriate data strategy, there is now a new vision to create an ecosystem that's interoperable with that with their data and to actually de-silo the data that, that they they have once because they need to create smarter systems and they need to create more rapid decision-making um, on the fly, whether that's in training simulations or actually in the field. So that being said, you know, they're obviously looking at a variety of types of data. So how did you guys sort of approach the specific industries and use cases that you thought the platform would be best for? I know on the website you talk about sort of IoT and sort of automotive vehicles and use cases. So could you maybe walk the audience through a couple of, you know, good use cases for the technology and why you chose to enter with those? Yeah, maybe I can take this one, um, you know, specific to the government. I just want to add one thing to what Ben was saying um, about the government. Having wrote the contract and secured the contract with the Air Force, what I've learned over the last year is that the U.S. Department of Defense is moving upwards of three to four times faster than the public sector. Uh, I'm sorry, the private sector, which is pretty baffling. And I think it's really predicated on what Ben just mentioned around a data strategy. We could sit down with a really mature company, and I'm not going to name names, but they would surprise you. And you can ask them what their data strategy is, and, and they're like deer in headlights. Um, and they all, they all look at data as IP and revenue opportunities. I mean, competitive edging and all this type of stuff that they use data for in, you know, in really the, the commercial aspect. But the government, they look at it as, you know, to Ben's earlier point, threat vectors. They look at it as you know, confidence issues, uh, maintenance issues. It's like they have all this data. The U.S. Air Force is creating upwards of 2,000 terabytes of data every 60 seconds. And so for them to have any way of managing that, that's the number one focus for them. As everyone knows, information wins wars and information is data. And so all this data being siloed is a real problem when they have to, you know, get it to come together and coalesce so they can make quick decisions against an adversary. And so when we came in, um, we weren't coming at them saying, hey, we can really unlock the power of your IoT data or your AI data. 
we were saying, hey, what systems require a high level of confidence of data that's streaming into them within close to real time um, that you know requires a lot of data to make sense of whatever the algorithm or the output should be. And that typically is around mobility, IoT, you know, artificial intelligence, machine learning, typically all the big buzzwords around how to manage these big data initiatives. So we got in bed with them on a thing called multi-domain command and control, which is just a a kind of a complex way of saying siloed data sets that need to interoperate. Um, so we're very foundational. In fact, we don't really get too involved on the application layer. We're really around prepping that data so then it could be used freely with high confidence in, in those scenarios. So um, did I apologize, but did that answer your question? I wanna make sure that I got your question answered. Yeah, no, I think that answered, I think definitely the first part, but I, I think maybe just to finish it off, if you had a few, uh, maybe more consumer facing use cases for people sort of like uh, cars and IOT devices where um, maybe walk them through how that process might look to, to an actual person. I'll, I'll jump in there. Um, I think one, one great uh, perspective is that our application layer is actually developer tools. Um, and our developer tools are compatible with existing uh, data management tools. So existing data, data management tools would be anything from like working with Red Hat to Cloudera to Databricks, all the way down to the open source level of uh, like Storm by Apache and Kafka. Um, and so our technology actually is appended within that, that stack. So we wanted to be compatible to existing infrastructure for true scalability. Um, so when we talk about use cases, we're talking about where, what are the data pipelines? Where is data created and how is it streaming or how, where is it being collected and how is it in transit, right? So one example that we like to, to talk through is looking at how, say, the city of Chicago um, the CTO of the city of Chicago is looking at all these different data feeds coming in, uh, traffic lights, smart buildings, um, you know, uh, billboards, everything. They're, they have a giant dashboard look at how the city is looking, how, where the data is coming from. Um, and so they're creating this distributed database and they're using something like a MongoDB uh, to power and connect all these distributed databases to provide a single view perspective of all the different data out there. So Constellation, um, a developer and data, data engineer, would actually append our technology to these different databases um, that are, are connecting and exchanging information uh, to provide that, that view. And where Constellation comes in is we add security across these various databases as they trade data. Uh, and so the use case that I like to say is not just about the opportunity to create interoperability and connected ecosystems and IoT, but to connect those data feeds or connect the data that's being transported from a device to the cloud or from a device to another device, because we see that there is a massive opportunity for uh, security hacking in the way of spoofing um, uh, those data feeds. And if you can alter some of those data feeds, you could actually cause not just a data breach, but uh, something that has an economic catastrophe that occurs over, you know, five to 10 years that that's nearly impossible to detect. Uh, and so what Constellation is doing is adding cybersecurity to big data. Gotcha. That makes sense. So how did you manage to 
create a token that sort of interoperates with the system that you've built? What are, what are the incentive structures? Um, and what is the sort of use case for the actual token that you've put out? Yeah, great question. So um, where do we begin? We created a, uh, an ERC-20 token in 2018 and we distribute, distributed that out and we use that as kind of a quantifiable beacon on um, user adoption of Constellation. What I mean by that is, does the community see a future in this? And uh, today we have a, a very strong trading volume um, and we have a very passionate community. And so we feel very confident in, in who we are and that there is a, a desire by this open source community that we've built uh, to use what we've done. So I like to set, set that forth. Um, the, the, what you're asking is about creating the token uh, and how does it, how do we use that on the platform? Well, the token's used for a couple, couple different compo components. Sorry about that. Uh, a couple different components. The first component is that the token is used uh, to secure throughput on the network. So basically, if you're an enterprise client and you want to uh, add cybersecurity to one of your data streams and a certain subset of that data you passionately want secured, you would use uh, DAG, our cryptocurrency, to secure that data feed on our network. Um, and so what, what then would, that would pay the validators or our node operators on our network um, for securing that throughput. And so our business model uh, that we kind of see going forward are a couple, are, are twofold. Uh, the first is that when we talk to enterprise clients, they often uh, talk about using our network and they're not actively going to go to an exchange and purchase cryptocurrency. So we act as that custodian that will take USD and convert that into DAG and purchase throughput on the network to secure that data feed. Does that make sense? Yep, absolutely. So that's the first, first angle. The second angle is that we envision this entire network being powered by, by validated data feed. So taking my example of, let's say, Fortune 500 company, Acme, that secured that data feed, they could then in turn sell that data feed, that validated data feed across the Constellation network uh, to other actors. So let's say the Acme Co. 2 um, is on this data exchange or this, this network. They could actually purchase that validated data feed. They know that it's been validated by a global network of users and they could take that, that validated data feed of say weather data and uh, append that to, to existing artificial intelligence or machine learning uh, that's maybe powering a smart city and they wanna make it smarter. So they would take that validated data feed, uh, they would purchase it on, uh, on the Constellation network and they would plug that into their AI to make it smarter and more efficient. So those so are the two, two components of, of Constellation. And, and who exactly are the node validators uh, and how are they incentivized to participate? Great, great question. So right now we're in the process of onboarding um, 100 different foundational nodes that will be serve as the foundation of the network. And these are 100 different uh, node uh, groups. They're companies, they are uh, individuals that are passionate about the technology. Uh, and they are representing over 92 different countries. Um, and so that's the first wave. Over the next couple of years, we'll be onboarding thousands of nodes uh, that represents that global 
that global state and global network, if you will. So final question on the tokens. Um, what was your sort of general tokenomics model? And I think you sort of went into this a bit, but um, why did you choose things like a capped supply? And more specifically, why did you choose to burn tokens? Well, we didn't, we didn't um, in the early days, we decided to burn the tokens. Uh, we don't really say burn tokens. Uh, but we, we, uh, what we did, we burnt some tokens on the founder side. So we thought that it looked better, uh, to the community to show that our support and our interest is aligned with the entire community that we were here, not purely for financial gain, but actually because we wanted to build out a vision and we thought it was necessary to remove that, that kind of uncertainty and doubt that might. Uh, that might sit on uh, Constellation by people seeing that there's a large batch of, of tokens dedicated to, to founders. So we actually got rid of um, a lot of tokens there. And That's as we kind honorable. of, uh, go ahead. That's pretty honorable. I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that it's, it kind of reinforces this idea of decentralization and what Constellation wants to do at the end of the day is create a network that's that's controlled by the, the, the community. Um, and the way to do that, you can't create this, like this uncertainty of whether, uh, these founders have too much, too many holdings, or if they're going to, you know, sell them or how are they going to use them? You create that, like that slightly slight bit of doubt in your mind. And we thought that it was, it, we wanted to align with everybody and show who we were. And what that did was it created so much more trust in who we are as people and our ethos and our passion that, that people feel like equals to us and uh, in our community. And that's what we wanted to, and that's what we wanted to express because we're constantly learning and our community is here to help, help this giant vision scale. Uh, and so anything that impedes the fact, the, the possibility of not scaling could be really detrimental to an open source community and this giant vision that we have of data governed by an entire, uh, entire global network um and so when we when and then your other question was about a, a capped supply um so we wanted there to be a, a fixed supply so that there wasn't the possibility we wanted to take a different take on on cryptocurrency much like um you know ethereum had done and and move away from kind of the mining possibilities uh but i'll, I'll let you in a, a little secret of something that we are exploring uh, when it comes to validator rewards and distributing rewards, uh, we're actually looking at a way to align validator rewards with market sentiment in a dynamic uh, way. And this is something that hasn't been done out there. And I think it's going to have a, it's going to create a new standard on how um, uh, blockchain economies and crypto economies uh, distribute out uh, mining rewards or validator rewards. And the way that we're going to be start, we're going to start to release that over the next couple months. And uh, but really, what it is is to uh, align individuals with uh, the market sentiment and and you know trading activities of our cryptocurrency alongside those that are mining our cryptocurrency. And I know I'm being very vague, uh, but I you know I, I want to keep that kind of the creative juices flowing there and. Um, you know, the ultimate goal is that 
we think that some of these economies, uh, these these crypto economies and the mining economies aren't really aligned with everybody's sentiment. You know, those that are buying exchanges, trading on exchanges to those that are receiving rewards uh, for uh, across these networks. Um, and we want to create an economy that is that creates a dialogue with each other. And so we are constantly thinking, how do we gamify this entire process of mining and node validators uh, that that changes the, the landscape of how cryptocurrency is mined and distributed um, while also tapping into the things that make communities super powerful, which is the sentiment, the conversation, the educational channels. Uh, and we're already doing that from like a humanistic level. Uh, in Constellations community, we've got uh, the Stardust Collective, which is a, a group of 35 people chosen from the community and self-organized that help create educational materials and um, educational materials on who we are, what our partnerships mean. Uh, they will ultimately be individuals that uh, get to decide which projects get funded uh, in Constellation. And then we have a governance group, which is 25 individuals that are responsible for the rules and regulations and values that make up what Constellation is. So from a humanistic level, we've already started to put these pieces in place. And what will come over the next few months is a programmatic approach to aligning those incentives and values as well as we give out validator rewards. So gotcha. that was a lot. <laughs> no, that was perfect. That was great. So who are the other sort of main players in your space? Who are your main competitors? And what do you guys think about the strategy that they're taking? Well, um, I'll take a shot at this. I, Man, you, you know, I got to say that the competitors, I, I actually like to collaborate with um, a few. I'm very, very selective on who I've wanted to collaborate in the blockchain space because I don't see a lot of people taking on this this challenge to be compatible solutions with existing centralized uh, technologies. And what I mean by that is that most of blockchain today, over the first two generations of uh, blockchain, Ethereum, have created isolated sandbox test environments of the technology that are not easily uh, integrated into existing technology stacks or real world environments. So what you have are production deployments but they're kind of their own ecosystem and they're separate. Like you could almost say they're a separate P&L from the actual uh, company. I mean, that's how like separate they are. Uh, and so when I, I look at people that are building out solutions that are compatible to real world data and, and technologies, I see Chainlink, um, but you know, we formed a partnership there. Uh, I do see that they're doing some amazing things, um, taking, you know, being able to plug off-chain data into a smart contract, which I think is a great leap forward. Uh, it still doesn't uh, address the scalability and veracity of data. Um, and then, you know, I look at people like Quant, um, who we also formed a partnership as doing some interesting things around creating this operating system that uh, across different blockchains that people should be able to choose different chains for different use cases and be able to turn off and on a switch between those. And I think that's an amazing uh, play for people that are, tr are just starting to get educated on what a smart contract is. Uh, wh what is big data on a blockchain or a DAG like Constellation? Uh, so those are, those are really valuable and I see them as compatible. And I think that what we're gonna find 
is that um, there are going to be many standards that people use in the space it, in data and this new digital economy that we've created um, and we'll be able to use different chains for different use cases we are not a good use case for for supply chain uh, management uh, you don't need high throughput for that uh, you don't you don't need uh, you know, a fire hose of data going into a blockchain and being able to have an audit trail. Now for a LIDAR on top of an autonomous vehicle, you probably want an audit trail of all the data that's <laughs> existing in case it hits somebody and then you've got an accident and you have to understand, was it cleaned, was it not? Did, it, did the program do something wrong? Uh, did the user, was there a user error? Um, and so, <clears throat> so I, I think there's a lot of that. And then as I, I always like to say is, we are compatible with centralized uh, data management systems. You could also see that as a competitor, right? Centralized data management systems like MongoDB, Databricks, Cloudera um, are all doing things with big data right now. And they have a very good value proposition and have been in the space for roughly eight to 10 years. And we want to evolve that. We don't wanna be a competitor, we just wanna evolve that. We wanna add security to data management. I'll take a yeah. pause there. That was a no, lot that was that was well. great. So I'll give you a little bit more of a softball for this one. Um, what are your favorite companies that are not specifically in your space, but more generally either sort of blockchain or crypto focused companies that you think are doing a really great job and uh, that you uh, that you sort of follow along with? It, Diggles, do you want to jump in there? Yeah, yeah, I've got a couple of favorites out there. I mean, one last thing I'll say on the competitive side, which I think kind of plays into this favorites piece, is that everybody's really collaborative right now. I think people compare us a lot to other directed acyclic graph or DAG projects like IOTA and Phantom, and we have open lines of communication with pretty much most of the DAG projects out there. It's like people holding up two sticks and saying, which one's better to build with? The question is, what are you building? And since we're focused on big data, um, we're kind of in our own little camp, if you will. So I think there's collaboration and opportunity with many of people that might be considered competitors. As far as projects that I think are really cool, um, I've been really impressed with Morpheus Network. You know, I think that there's a big push for those to go after supply chain management. Um, I'm, I'm glad that we're not in that space because I feel like it's one of the more early adopting applications of, uh, of blockchain. Um, and so it's kind of a crowded space. And so there's those that I feel are doing better than others. And Morpheus Network is one of them. Um, we also had recently talked to SimbaChain. SimbaChain is the other, only other company to ever secure a working contract with the DOD as a blockchain company. And um, they're making it really easy and demystifying a lot of the stuff around smart contracts to be able to deploy proof of concepts rather quickly. Because right now, the climate is how do we get as close to value and prove the concepts as quick, quickly as possible without having to deal with learning all about new protocols and consensus? Like, is there a there there? And I feel like there's some of those platforms out there that are really around the, the deploying of these solutions. Um, but I think that SimbaChain and their team is really focused in making it very simple. Um, those are two projects that I, I really appreciate. Um, and Ben mentioned a couple of the other ones that we've been really focused on our partnerships, you know, Chainlink, uh, the Quant Network. I mean, uh, it comes down to, in my opinion, what are the backgrounds of the leadership uh, the people that are running the company, you know, do they have a background in the industry in which they're trying to make an impact? Or are they just opportunistic people that are jumping in and see this as a money grab? Those that have deep roots, much like Quant Network, 
really having deep roots in finance, they're the ones that are really pre are positioned to succeed in that market versus those that maybe, I mean, and take no offense to the listeners, a couple of, you know, Berkeley um, graduate, graduate students that came together on a project and wanted to create a company. I think that there's no lack of those types of projects out there, and I'm not discouraging those projects, but the ones that are really going to be implicating the big standards, handling the massive regulations in these industries that are completely void of the technology, um, those are the ones that are going to win adding blockchain to the mix. Yep, couldn't agree more. You can't just slap blockchain on a product and expect it to sell. <laughs> and I saw a lot of that. Um, so to sort of close us off, I know you guys have a hard stop in about six minutes, but I just wanted to ask what big things do you guys have planned for 2020? Um, is there anything that our users should be looking out for? And then after that, maybe to finish off with just where they should go to learn more about you uh, or get more involved. Ben, I think that you were probably well poised to answer some of this since you've built such a, a great roadmap and strategy for the company. I mean, the only thing I want to add here is that we've coined a term datapreneur that I think deserves its own, uh, you know, podcast in itself, which really is a, less around what can our users do for our network and more what can our network do for our users, unlocking a new economy of people using data in interesting ways to create uh, new business for themselves and the market. But Ben, maybe you can talk a little bit about some of the stuff on our roadmap that uh, you're excited about. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I go back to the beginning of what we talked about. What is, what is your data strategy? Whether you're a person um, or you're a company, uh, where does your data go? Are you aware of it? Um, we've entered a world where we are now starting to question all the freemium apps that we download and the terms and services that we freely give up our rights for, for some engagement for something to entertain us, but it's not quite enough. This is why you have Instagram celebrities that are paid by sponsors because it's not enough to just be on Instagram. So there's another monetization layer going on in this world and it's making us rethink um, how, how do we monetize ourselves and who has access to our data? And these are all really, really great questions. So over the course of the next year, I see us kind of breaking into a multi-pronged approach. And the first is working with the public sector, which is really driving um, innovation in the sense of mission critical uh, events. So protecting civilian safety and using this technology to add cybersecurity to protect uh, information in, in a multitude of ways. The second major way is working with our network. Uh, one of the visions that, that I have is, as I mentioned, is around owning our data and creating an infrastructure that allows the accounting for individuals to own data. Uh, in a decentralized capacity, which is the only way that I actually see possible going forward. And so with that, and to what Benjamin was saying is, is this idea around the datapreneur. Um, how can we gamify individuals and node operators and network and community to partake in a global economy of data? And what new, uh, what new businesses and applications can you do that takes validated data to create a wave of future businesses. Uh, and what I mean by that is we can start to connect different uh, ecosystems. And one ecosystem is looking at the end user. Uh, people that purchase products could go online and register um, their themselves and the product they purchased through a cryptocurrency wallet like the Molly wallet, Constellation's wallet. 
uh, and we can do much more with the crypto uh, cryptocurrency wallet and start to bring that to the forefront and into the consumer's hands by registering their information and giving them uh, private and public keys that that lock their data and allow individuals to decide and ascertain who gets that data with a switch of a button they can say if Procter and Gamble gets their data or Nike gets their data and they can turn it off. Um, so this idea of, of data ownership and data security are going to start to be merged within the Constellation community. And this is a very big idea and a very big vision that requires a, a complete different mindset shift. As Benjamin said, the datapreneur, what can we do with our data? Who's collecting it? Who's selling it? And how do I have control over it? The first wave we saw around the gig economy and Uber uh, unlocking the abundance of cars that sit in garages and people's free time um, became just an application that allowed that, that, that connectivity to exist. But now we're at a new layer around where our data goes. How can we monetize that and keep control over that? You know, where can we take this abundance of information and monetize it to, to our ability and have it self-serving as well. So I think we're going, so our, our, you know, a lot of our vision for 2020 is to kind of see these worlds uh, come together and create uh, not only a new technology, but a, a complete perspective shift. Well, that was beautifully put. So thank you guys both so much for being here. Uh, I know our users really appreciate, or our listeners really appreciate it. I'm too much on my uh, app train here. Um, if you guys had any uh, <laughs> anywhere you uh, would like them to sort of uh, go to learn more, uh, feel free to plug those now. Yeah, I would uh, I would love it if you know I I'm very active in our constellation community on Telegram. Um, I dive I dodge in there. You can see the heart and the soul of uh, what will help constellation scale. You'll also get real time information on everything we are doing. Um, so really that, that address, which is, uh, HTTPS semicolon slash slash T dot ME, or just go to telegram and look at constellation community and you'll see our vibrant community, um, and see our, our admins kind of understanding the technology, uh, disseminating information, dissecting questions, um, and then see us very active in there. Perfect. And constellationnetwork.io. So constellationnetwork.io, <laughs> you can find on our resource section that link to, to Telegram as well as many other things. So, But I do love the community. I think that's also extremely important. Yeah, I probably should have said that. Thank you guys both so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll get so some much. of those links from you. Throw them in the description. Uh, make sure they find it. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you guys. Thanks, and Mark. thank you guys for listening. Uh, we'll be back soon with another episode. Hey guys, I know I don't typically do sponsorships, but as a final note, I was hoping to encourage you guys to download my app, UBDI, on Google Play or the Apple App Store to start securely and privately monetizing your personal data. Uh, we allow you to aggregate your personal data in a data vault that only you have access to, that we cannot see, touch, or hold, until you decide to privately share insights with paying market researchers, uh, or other companies who are interested in studying your data once it's been aggregated with other members. Uh, so I'd love it if you guys would give it a shot. Um, and thanks for listening.